This podcast may contain adult themes and language and may not be suitable for those under 18. Please note that we are not professionals, just individuals who have lived with addiction in many forms and have found support and relief through various means of therapy and recovery. We do not speak for and are not allied with any recovery or self-help program. All of the things discussed on this podcast are our own opinions and from our own experiences. What's this podcast called again? <laughs> to hear from insanity. Hell yeah, we're back. <laughs> we are so back. Serving you another fresh episode. Serving it hot and steaming right off the. Uh, are we a uh, are we a hot the, and ready? The pan. Are we <laughs> hot and ready? Hot hot and hot and ready pizza. I'm hot. I'm ready. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not fresh, but I'm hot and ready. I love that meme. Like I don't, I don't know that meme. It's just, it was like a tweet or something. It's like, you know, the uh, blank brand. I don't know how things work. Hot and ready pizza. Is it fresh? No. Or no. Wait, I fucked it up. Whatever. Whatever. It's just, it's hot and it's ready. I will. I forever. I forever stand. My favorite meme ever is like an old school meme and it's the stuffed monkey yeah with the hands it oh, doesn't look like a monkey but it's the the, the, the white one yeah it's got like the funny face yeah yeah i'll have to like post a picture of that monkey on the uh on the instagram and the caption can be like when you're in recovery but you're not fixed yet <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's kind of how i'm feeling What's what's up, Hales? Let's do a check-in. Oh, I wish I knew what was up. I know. <laughs> got a little brain rot. It's fine. It happens every now and then. But you got a fancy little drawing. Yeah, I got my little expensive doodle pad, and I'm making art, and that's cool. I love your art. We actually do have her art all over the house. It's always creepy <laughs> and, like, cerebral, I would say. Cerebral's a good word. It's a good Hell descriptor yeah. for the, the art that you do. Yeah. So I sent a photo of one of my works in progress to my dad recently, and he responded, draw something happy. Emma's ripping jewel. Um, You're a fucking narc. <laughs> he's like, draw something happy next time. And I was like, this... <laughs> This is as happy as it gets. He doesn't get to see the the self-portrait you did of eight-year-old you smoking a cigarette. No, he doesn't get to see that. He'll cry. I was like four in that photo, I think. <laughs> Honestly, though, it is a pretty solid self-portrait. It's cool. It's cool as fuck. I mean, four-year-old you was already, was already in it. She was on some bullshit. I'm sure she was. Manipulating her mother for attention. Oh, yeah, and sticking my hand on the stove. Oh, shit, yeah. I do know that story. <laughs> Will you please... Will you please tell the story about what you used to do to your mom's boyfriends? Because I think it's a really beautiful example of how like these coping mechanisms that we learn as children, like really shape our lives. And they always develop out of this like fear and need of getting like our needs met. Right. And I love this story because it's hilarious and also a really great snapshot of like that whole idea. Mm Mm-hmm. So basically, this isn't something that anybody so much told me, but a memory that I have. That as long I just, as you're cool with sharing the story. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay, cool, cool. I didn't yeah. mean to put you on the Oh, spot. no, it's good. <laughs> but yeah, I, 
I think I like remembered this pretty recently, like a few months ago. Yeah. It wasn't long ago. Yeah. And I remember being like a small child and, you know, my parents divorced when I was really, really, really young, like maybe two. And so I'd go and stay with my mom sometimes and she would have, you know, different boyfriends like, you know, you do you mom all cool. That's not the point, but (laughs) she would leave me alone with somebody, right. When she was off making coffee or doing something and I'm playing with my toys and they're trying to play with me. And I'd, I'd give I'd give her boyfriend the toy. And I'd start fucking crying. Just wailing. And my mom would come in like, what's going on? What's going on? And I look at him and I was like, he took my toy. He took it. And the guy's like, no, wait. No, I didn't. She gave it to me. And my mom would be like, why on earth would a five-year-old lie? I wanted attention. And I wanted it now. And there's a loud motorcycle going by the house. <laughs> The motorcycle wants attention too. Oh, well. The dude r- driving the motorcycle wants attention. That's fine. He's not getting any. <laughs> but I sure did. And that's the only way I knew how to do it. Yeah. Was to like force people into giving you attention. Oh, absolutely. And that carried on all the way through up on the 22. And that's where I am now. It's all about getting a need met. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was, I was also like a scary good manipulator as a kid. Yeah. My mom tells me this one story that I like mortified her in a Walmart <laughs> because uh, apparently some girl in the toy aisle really wanted like a Barbie or something. Yeah. And apparently four-year-old me walked right up to her and said, just keep crying. She'll give in eventually. <laughs> because I had figured out that my mom could not stand crying. So if I kept doing it, she would give me what I wanted. <laughs> Which sometimes was like a toy. But a lot of times it was like, please read me a bedtime story because I'm five. Yeah. I remember one time my mom screamed at me because I wanted her to read me a bedtime story. And she said she had allergies and her nose was stuffed up and she couldn't. And I was a big girl and I should be able to read it myself. Oh, you didn't like that at all, did you? (laughs) No, I'm still holding on to it. Uh, You know, 22 (laughs) years later, uh, still thinking about it. (laughs) The fact that my brother got bedtime stories until he was like 10. Damn. I used to crawl I used to take a pillow and lay at the like and lay on the floor next to my brother's bed just so I could hear some bedtime stories yeah because he got them and I didn't mm-hmm. I'm, I, I'm realizing in this moment that I'm still angry about that you know sometimes it'd be like that yeah yeah I used to yikes I used to uh kind of make myself fall out of my bed and then just cry loudly until mm-hmm. my dad would come in and I, my dad met plenty of my needs I was chilling. This was just left over from whatever the fuck was going on before yeah. I can remember. Yeah. Yeah. That's just left over. This is so not on topic, but no. <laughs> I feel like this is going somewhere. Should we roll with it? I think we really should. I think we're just going to roll with it. Yeah, let's do it. Scarcity mentality? Make Getting our needs met? Yeah, I think we could you know, could swing it. Maybe more will be revealed. We were going to talk about something else, but that can be next week's episode. Yeah, we're just having a conversation. I mean, truly, that that basically is all that this yeah. is, is <laughs> having a conversation with each other while doing our darndest to minimize the pauses. Yeah, <laughs> it's hard. It's hard, guys. Yeah, so I love that. Let's just expand on this more. Yeah. So needs. Yeah, getting your needs met yeah, and how, oh my God. So I met with my sponsor this morning at mm-hmm. 30 in the morning, which was about an hour after you got back. Yes. <laughs> Um, and I met her in the morning and, um, we are on 
step six, which I'm comfortable saying because you don't know what program I'm working them in. Mm -hmm. Um, But step six is about becoming willing to let go of your character defects or as I like to refer to them, coping mechanisms that no longer serve me. Yeah. Um, Which Haley has heard me say a million times. Um, My sponsor says pretty much exclusively that I tell my sponsees that Mm -hmm. I just think it's so much better than character defects because defects that's like, like if a word were to be a zit (laughs) defect yeah, would be the zit. Yeah. I catch myself getting pretty defensive at the term character defect. Right. It it makes me like, it's such a mortifying word. Like, you know, you shouldn't pop it, you know, you shouldn't poke at it Yeah, and you shouldn't like really go too deep into it, but you're just going to pop that pimple until it's bloody. Yeah. I just think, well, what do you mean a character defect? Like, that's not a defect. It's done this for me. And it's done this for me. It's it's like a part of me, right? Oh my God. Even more than that. And then I don't want to let it go. Yeah. Even more than that. Fuck onto it. That's my identity you're talking about. I'm so glad that you literally said that because that's exactly what we were talking about today. Really? Yes. We were talking about the thing about coping mechanisms that no longer serve us Mm -hmm. is um, a lot of times we we don't want to let go of them because we still like them. Yeah. You know? And it's a safety net. That's it's what Totally. Totally. And, um, the, the two that have been popping up the biggest for me is, uh, gossiping. Mm -hmm. It is stupid hard not to gossip. Oh yeah. Because the thing about gossiping is it gives you so much instant gratification of like being like self-righteous. You're self-righteous. You're the one who knows the hot goss. Yeah. It it makes you feel powerful Mm because people are paying attention to you. There's that word again. Attention. 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 Honestly. I I sometimes, I literally back before I got sober used to joke that I was like a shark. Um, And if I stopped getting attention, I would die. Yeah. Like if sharks (laughs) stop swimming, they'll die. I don't know if that's actual true. I don't know if that's that's a fact, um, but I remember thinking it was as a child. Um, okay. So that was just something I would say because <laughs> I really, like, if I didn't have attention, I thought I would die. Yeah. Um, and I, and that's what we're talking about, about how a lot of times, like, when you have a lot of resistance uh, to, to even the idea of becoming willing to let it go. Yeah. There, it's, pro- you probably are holding on to it still, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, there was this really great analogy about like, okay, you have these pair of slippers and they're old and dirty and ratty and they have a hole in them. They're not serving you anymore. And so you're thinking about buying a new pair of slippers, yeah. right? That's just becoming willing, you mm-hmm. know, and you're thinking about it. And then you actually buy the new slippers, but then you have to start wearing them. And yeah. it's hard because you don't want to let go of the old ones because they're molded perfectly to your foot. Mm-hmm. And like, they're just your go-to, you know? Like, why would I go through the trouble of like getting used to this new pair of slippers when I have this old pair of slippers? Yeah. And eventually you got to throw out the old pair of slippers. They probably smell. They're really ratty, you know? See, but like, we don't want to let them go. That's such a wild thing. That you know, I, I'm thinking about it right now, and I realize I hoard things I don't fucking need anymore. Me too. Like physically, yes, so much. And I do the same with coping mechanisms. I'm a coping mechanism hoarder. Yeah, and I don't even the ones I don't use. I just hang on to it, in just case, in case you need it. It's like a back pocket ace. Yeah, 
it's like a back pocket ace. I, I wrote in the margins of my book that I'm working through with my sponsor. I wrote, um, I think I have sentimental attachments to my coping mechanisms. Yes, absolutely. I think I have sentimental. Atta- it's the same way that like the teddy bear that I've had since I was, before I was born, when I was still in utero, mm-hmm. I literally have it sitting in the corner of my room. Yeah. I have not slept with it in, I don't know, five years, maybe more. You know, but I, not only can I not throw it away or give it away, mm-hmm. I can't not have it. Yeah. Like it was in, it was at my parents' house, which is 1700 miles away. And when I moved here, I brought it, even though I knew I didn't need it. Yeah. But I wanted it there. And it's literally sitting in the corner. And it's been sitting in that corner since I moved into this house three years ago. Yeah, I I have the same sentimental values towards like or sentimental feelings towards like the person I was when I was using those coping mechanisms. Yeah. Like sometimes I look back at photos and I'm like, oh, she was so cute and so fun. Oh, she, you know, look, it's so glamorous. It's so edgy. Yeah, it's that's just, my shit. You know, even if I don't really like it, I'm like, well, that was such a time. Yeah. When I did that. It's like looking back with rose-colored glasses. Yeah. Totally. Love it. Um, I mean, it reminds me, I think I posted this on our Instagram story. By the way, we have an Instagram. I don't, I think we said that last episode. Yeah. And you should like follow it. Yeah. Um, and it's T H F I podcast. That's our Instagram. That's that's, our handle. That's our plug. We're plugging. I'm plugging. Plug in the gram. Oh my God. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, I, I try to be pretty active on it. Anyway, that I just wanted to say that before I forgot to say what our handle was because <laughs> I forgot to say it last time. I think I referenced the Instagram and I forgot to say what the handle was. Yeah. But um, there's this quote from Bojack Horseman, which I have not been able to watch since I got sober. Yeah. But... Um, there's this quote that the little owl lady, I don't Mm -hmm. remember anything except for the fact that she's an owl and she has this quote that is stupid insightful. And it's, um, when you look back with rose, when you're looking at something with rose colored glasses, all the red flags just Just look look like like flags. Yeah. 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 That's a big one. That one. It like cuts. Yeah. Oh Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I've talked about this with talked about that with my therapist before. Yeah. Talking about my last relationship. Yeah. All the little things I missed and all the little manipulations I used to use for yeah. attention. And they just felt so darn good. And, and here's the thing, too, is you probably also thought, oh, I'm being so crafty. Oh, yeah. You know, like, oh, like I don't need to say something. Um, like I don't, I can, I can say this in a nice way. Yeah, and manipulate but, the situation yeah. to allowing me to bring something up. Like, I would plan... Yes! I'd plan a whole fucking evening just to be able to bring up one conversation yeah. that I was aching to have. Yeah. Because I was terrified of being shut down if I just said, hey... Can we talk about this? Yeah. 100%. And, you know, even even those finely manipulated situations, say, hey, can we talk about this? No, I don't feel like it. It, it just... None of that really works. Yeah. And it doesn't... It doesn't feel good. (laughs) No, it doesn't feel good. And it's also, I mean, you have so many variables that you have to juggle in your head and that's exhausting. It's anxiety inducing. Yeah. It's when you're trying to play puppet master. Yeah. And, and it's like, what is playing puppet master other than pretending to play God, Mm -hmm. you know? And I mean, 
oh my God, I just almost said our program name. (laughs) And that's one of like the core values of a lot of 12 step recovery is that I have to give people the dignity to make their own choices. Yeah. And like when I manipulate and I, uh, sort of force a situation to look a certain way, um, I'm taking away their, their, their right to choose. Yeah. And I'm a little bit more selfish about it because I am such a goddamn control freak. Yeah. You know, if when I'm able to sit down and relinquish this control, I like instinctively try to take, I just feel so much freer. I'm not responsible. All of a sudden I'm not responsible for anybody's thoughts or actions. And if I'm not responsible and they do what I wouldn't have wanted them to do, I don't feel like a failure Yeah, for somebody else making their own decisions. Yes. And And that's that's like a big thing for me. Like when my manipulation doesn't go well, I have failed and I suck and I'm bad. Yeah. When in all actuality, like it's the manipulation. Yeah. (laughs) That's the problem. Uh Uh-huh. Because it's, it's enmeshment, you know, like when you, when you, uh, make another person's life and, um, their well-being, their emotional well-being, their physical well-being. When you just make another person's life your responsibility, like if it's not a small child that you are responsible for, then chill. Yeah. <laughs> Cuz I can barely keep my own life together, let alone a whole other person. 100%. 100%. Yeah, like you you can't do that. We're not made to do that. <laughs> and it's almost like for me too, I would use it as a distraction. Oh, definitely. You know, definitely. like let me take care because here's the thing. I I have perspective, right? And mm-hmm. it's the same thing with my program. Like I can talk to somebody and I could say, "Hey, it, it sounds to me like you're X, Y, and Z, you know, or, you know, have you looked at it this way? Cause it's not my shit. Like when I'm looking at somebody else's shit, it's so much easier to step back and be objective. Yeah. But when I'm looking at my own shit, like I'm like the dog that shit on the rug. Like I don't, <laughs> I don't want to look at it. I want to ignore it and pretend that it's not there. Um, and not have to acknowledge it or deal with it or like actually make meaningful change because change is scary and painful. Yeah. And right. It's huge when you look at somebody else's life and you get their big picture and you figure their stuff out. Yeah. That's your sense of accomplishment yeah. that you're getting from something that has nothing to do with you. Absolutely. And you feel high and mighty for it yep. while you're shit steaming on the carpet, hot and ready. <laughs> <laughs> Bet you didn't think that would come back around. (laughs) Hot and ready for stepping in. Mm -hmm. Tracking all over the house. Oh, yeah. So one of the big things about uh, these old coping mechanisms and manipulation and all of these things is, like we said, like in our stories from when we were really little, you know, like too little to have any idea what we were doing. Really like pre-programming days. Pre-programming, like programming like that. I mean, it does start probably around like three and four, but the hardcore programming starts like in kindergarten. Yeah. You know, like when you have to suddenly sit still and raise your hand and hold your piss. <laughs> <laughs> um, and... it's, it's that innate thing in us. And sometimes it's as basic as food and water. Yeah. And other times it's love and security. 
and affection and attention. And if we don't have it consistently as little kids, or if we, um, or if it's really conditional, because for me, it would be like one day something was okay Mm -hmm. and the next day it wasn't, you know? And like one day, uh, my mom would be in a great mood and in a great place. And then the next day she wouldn't be. Um, and when that is the case, you, and, and you can't rely on your primary caregiver to consistently giving you that sense of security. Mm-hmm. What are the choices? It's a, sur- it's literally a survival mechanism. It's yeah. a survival tool. It absolutely is. Even just on a baseline emotional level. And when I think about it that way, like at least for me, it gives me so much compassion. Yeah. Because if I really develop that tool, if it's like a muscle and I've been working out that manipulation muscle for 15 years, of course that's going to be the muscle that like I default to, you know what I mean? It's like, if I have wicked strong legs, why would I try to lift something with my arms? Mm -hmm. You know? And, and that's what recovery asks us to do. It asks us to, to develop other Coping muscles. <laughs> Get that full body workout. Full body. Don't skip leg day. Don't skip leg day. I say as somebody who does not go to the gym. <laughs> I run up and down stairs a lot at work though. Huh? There are no elevators because it is an extremely old-fashioned campus. <laughs> um, but yeah, I this feels good. I'm glad we went with yeah, this. Yeah, we just rolled. <sighs> yeah, I'm... I just had a really, really good, like on the topic of coping mechanisms and manipulation and all that, I'd had a good therapy session today with my therapist where, you know, we were talking about this new person I'm kind of developing an interest in and how I felt like I was failing at like Mm. building what I thought I should be building at this stage. Mm. And I was like, yeah, I mean, he just doesn't do this and he doesn't do this. So I feel like I can't do this. And she looks at me and she's like, well, I mean do you think (laughs) she's like, so the past few were uh, firecrackers. Right. And I was like, yeah. And she's like, well, why were they firecrackers? And I was like, well, I had the opportunity to sit down and force it to happen. And I forced it to happen in within matters of weeks or even months. And so this like a six month slow burn might actually be a regular decent pace for me. Yeah. That won't fuck me over. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, so you've kind of kept your hands out of this for the most part and just let him do his own thing, right? And I was like, you're fucking right. Fucking A. It felt so weird and so uncomfortable and so scary to just sit there and not force a building of whatever relationship or whatever friendship. Right. Because think about that, too, is when you're forcing it, that's manipulation. Yeah. Because you're making it happen the way you want it to, or the way you think it needs to. Yeah. I was saying like, I just, I'm so used to being able to make people fall in love with me. And she's like, say that the fuck again. You want to say it again? I'm, I was so used to being able to make people fall in love with me. Yep. And the I thing shape shift, I could change anything I wanted to change. Oh, that sounds exhausting. Yeah. Oh, it super was. And that sounds super unsustainable. Yeah. No, I feel like I was a different person pretty much every year, like throughout college and even the end of high school. Yeah. Cause I was forming myself to whatever human I wanted to grab yeah. and stick my little claws into. Yeah. 
Like, oh man. For me, I would like cling on to people like life preservers. Yeah. And then I would drag them down with me. Yeah. You know? Um, one analogy, because I fucking love analogies, um, was I, I used to feel like I was a liquid mm-hmm. and I would pour myself out and fill whatever shape container another person brought to me. Right. And it's so easy to just fill that container instead of, you know, building a form of your own. Yes. Because when you're in that container, you don't have to. And the scary thing about building a form of your own uh, is then people might not like it. Yeah. And if you're authentically you and if people don't like you, that's terrifying. I remember I said that to my sponsor once and I was like, if I'm myself and people don't like me, that's devastating. Yeah. And my sponsor was like, so what? Yeah. <laughs> Yo, me and Steph today. She's, I like it when she's, when she's making a point, like when something's right in front of my face and I don't see it, uh-huh. she says, dog bitch shit on the rug. You don't want to look at it. I get yeah. it. She's like, I wonder if like today she looked at me and she said, I wonder how you would feel if you just tried to live authentically for once. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> Gut punch. For the record, guys, our dynamic is like that. It's fine. She's a great therapist. We vibe hard. That's just one of the things. She's like, you know, I wonder how it would go if you did this instead. I feel like the relationship you have with your therapist is the relationship I have with my sponsor. Yeah. When she, like, one time my sponsor just told me I was basic. (laughs) She told me my bullshit was basic. Yeah, I was telling her about the uh, happy hour I recently went to for work. (laughs) And... He's looking at a little, flo- the cat's looking at a little, little floater. <laughs> but I was telling her how excited I was by like all this wacky shit happening. Cause our uh, happy hours go really hard. And she's like, yeah, yeah. Chaos. I know you like, what's the, what's the point of this? And yeah. I was like, you know me? Oh God. <laughs> but yeah, it's good stuff. No, but sometimes, I mean, we all need a person who will with love and compassion Tell us about ourselves. Yes. And I am a hardcore believer that that should not be a friend. No, you are absolutely right about that. Because things get so complicated when that's the case. Yeah. And and the thing is, is I used to try to be that friend. I would try to be the one who would be like, let me just tell you this. (laughs) And all that does is alienate them and you. And, you know, maybe you have a dynamic with a friend that really, really works. um, And it's like that. and I'm very happy for you. That has not been my experience. Um, for me, it has to be a sponsor or a therapist or a doctor. Never a doctor. Doctors are usually pretty condescending, but it's fine. Um, my OBG is dope. I love her. Anyway. Um, I mean, you could say that, you know, if your friend, if it's a friend telling you about yourself, you might feel a little bit defective. Oh, you are just killing it on the hooks today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then you're not going to like that and you're going to cling a little harder, you know, and also alienate, like you said, alienates you from that person. Yeah. For me, I don't offer advice anymore unless somebody explicitly asks for advice. That's a pretty good rule to go by. Otherwise, I just listen. Yeah. And my go to phrases are that sounds really hard. Yeah. I bet that's really scary for you. You know, like, but obviously I'm not like a psycho or anything (laughs) a little bit, but it's fine. Um, but I used to 
that you, oh my God, it was like a fucking drug hit. Like if somebody came to me with their problems, mm-hmm. it was like, oh my God, they chose me. I'm the chosen one that they're going to share their problems with. Now I must fix them. And it, it feeds in, I feel like it feeds into the little gossip part of your brain. Like, you know, things now. Oh my God. And that makes you feel special. Yeah. And it feeds into that ego, ego. And you know, you have a chance to fix something and feel good about the thing that you fixed. Yeah. And it's not yours to fix. Not yours. And honestly, you probably didn't fix it at all. Yeah. Because here's the thing. I think I've told this story before, but like one of my best friends was dating this guy and they had like a really chaotic, rocky start. And I was 100% team. You need to leave him. He's horrible. Like you deserve better. Like you get to... And, and I was using like the recovery tools that I knew of, which was like, you don't have to let somebody into your life who makes you feel this bad, blah, 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 blah. And she didn't listen to me and it really pissed me off. And it actually caused us to have some problems in our friendship. Um, And I had to recognize that it was her life, not mine. And now they have worked through it and they are so strong and they are so great together. And if she had listened to me, she would have deprived herself of this wonderful relationship that she has learned so much in, you know? Mm -hmm. And I'm so grateful for that because I can put that in my evidence bag and be like, I really don't know what's best for other people. And it's such a relief that you don't. Right? It's such a relief. It doesn't feel like it at first. Relinquishing control was the hardest thing I ever fucking did. At first, it literally feels like you're quitting on somebody. It feels like you're quitting. And I hate quitting. I love quitting. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I'm, I'm... I I feel like I used to pride myself on the amount of pain, like emotional, physical, mental pain yeah. that I could endure. Yeah. And soak up like a little sponge uh-huh. from other people who were soaking in it. Yeah. How much can I hold in my little sponge body? <laughs> a lot. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> Oh, God. You just squeeze yourself out over the kitchen sink and you're so much lighter. Maybe that's why I used to cry so much. Because I was a sponge soaking (laughs) up. (laughs) Oh, my God. But yeah, I think relinquishing that control and responsibility is the best. No, because there's so much freedom in it. Yeah, and and you can finally do what you want with your life. Yeah, and bringing it back to like, those muscles and like learning how to use things that aren't just the ones that you have. Like, that's the thing is it's scary and hard. And at first it doesn't feel good. Um, but I had a therapist who once told me that I wasn't allowed to trust my guilt meter because my guilt meter was broken. Yeah. And like, I would feel really guilty about stuff that was not my fault. And I did not feel guilty about things that were my fault. Oh, like manipulating the shit out of people. Exactly. And so my guilt meter was broken. So I wasn't allowed, I wasn't allowed to listen to that. Like I literally basically had to have a, a Jiminy Cricket, which was a combination of program friends, my sponsor, and my therapist. Yeah. And I'm two and a half years into this, and <laughs> I still have a sponsor, a therapist, and program <laughs> friends. And you know what? Those are all great things to have. And they are my Jiminy Crickets. Yep. And I'm so grateful. Yep. Speaking of grateful. Ooh, is it time? I mean, should we conclude with some gratitudes? Gratitudes. I'm sure we can. (laughs) 
Were you grateful goat? Uh, you you go first. This time. <laughs> okay. Grateful goat. Grateful goat. What? Are you having a seizure? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I am really grateful that we just kind of went with the natural flow of how this conversation went. Yeah. I love that it went from a check-in into a wildly different topic than what we had planned um, because I feel like it's exactly what we needed. Yeah. And it feels really good to talk about this stuff. Exactly. And it's, I just like that it wasn't even anything like what we have on our little listy. Yeah. You know, we just, we didn't have this one. Maybe we should do more of these. I would love that. Just this was really fun. Yeah. I feel like we we have like a long list of topics that we could do. And I feel like even having topics like that, I think it's good to have structure. Yeah. Um, but I think it also is like fear that we won't be able to come up with a topic in the moment. Um well, look what we just and did. And look what we just did. We <laughs> talked about about old coping mechanisms that no longer serve us. It's good stuff. It is good stuff. I'm also really grateful. Oh, that it feels like winter, even though it was raining today, but it was a nice, like, rainy, cozy Sunday. It was crisp. Crisp and clean. What about you? What are you grateful for? So I actually have one this time that's, like, ready at the tip of my little tongue. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. So I've always had this belief, like, that goes into a lot of anti-capitalist stuff. Hell yeah. Yada, yada. That Yes. Uh, my work should not be my life. Yeah. You know, which definitely rings true. But because of that, I didn't really talk to any of my coworkers. I didn't go to any work functions. You know, I I just, I went there, got my eight hours left. Yeah. None, none of the bells and whistles. But recently, you know, I've been, I've been kind of getting closer with one of my coworkers and it's fun. He's training me in something new and it's it's exciting to learn something new at work. Yeah. And I feel like I'm doing very well and it's rewarding and fulfilling too, I'm sure. And yeah, it's actually a little bit fulfilling. And, um, you know, we decided to go to the happy hour Friday. And I hung out with all of my coworkers and realized that they were people. <laughs> and like outside of a work context, everybody's just having a really great time. And I got to know them a little more. And they got to know me a little more, which my therapist is forcing me to say was not an unfortunate thing that happened. <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, things got a little crazy and it was fun and it was a good time. And then I played D&D the next day with that coworker. I'm honestly low-key so jealous. I want to play (laughs) D&D so bad. It was just both of those things, though, I would never have done. I know. And I I was thinking about it and I was like, I don't want to go to this happy hour. Probably for a stupid reason. I should try it out anyway. Ah! I don't want to play D&D. But I love D&D and these people seem cool. I should do it anyway. Because why don't I want to? Probably something stupid. Yeah. Worried about your image? Yeah, image, like anxiety, da, da, da. like why not just also new things are fucking scary. Yeah. And new people are really scary, but I just said, fuck it. If I'm not really worried about them liking me, but if they don't, I don't care. Yeah. Like I just went and did something yeah. and it turned out well. I love that. And now I feel like it'll just be a little bit less miserable when I clock in. I won't be <laughs> I won't be dead silent the whole time. I'll be like, hey, like, yeah, it was fun seeing you Friday. Like, oh, thanks for the shots. Like, <laughs> but yeah, good stuff. I'm, I'm proud of myself yeah. for doing something different. That's amazing. I'm proud of you too. Yeah. I'm also proud that I was able to um, translate your drunk text. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Can I just can I indulge? Yes. Okay. So 
Oh man. Uh, we have a couple people in our department who really like to party and we played pool and losers bought shots and somebody kept putting quarters on the table when we didn't notice. So we would keep playing pool and keep buying rounds. And, uh, it ended up, I think not even midnight. I was texting Emma and Brandon and seeing who were home because I could not, my car was there. I was not going to drive. It would not end well. I wasn't even going to think about trying. And it was just a line of gibberish. I think at some point I said like, help, jalp, jalapeno. I'm really <laughs> excited. I'm just going to go back to it super quick. Do it, do it. Let's, let's just see this. Okay. Oh yeah, here it is. Um, <laughs> you're, so you're texting a one line for each word of the bar you were at. And our roommate goes, what about it? And you were like, I'm there. You know, I should just post this and block out our names because this is chaotic. And then I just chimed in with, she wants you to come to the bar. And she goes, and then all cap is, youngest, bang, want, sommage. Leave out the name, Colin. Um, and then I said, blank wants to bang you. And we just go, God, I wish. And that was the end. <laughs> and that was the end of it. <sighs> my, my friend came to pick me up and, uh, piled me into her car and, uh, drove Good me friends. home. Grateful yeah. for friends that pick you up from the bar. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I was there munching my Belvita bar and she didn't even care that I was getting crumbs everywhere. Aww. And you know what? I'm grateful that I now have the freedom to like go to a bar if I want to and not feel the need to drink. That's good shit. Happy Joyce free bitch. <laughs> Recovery isn't for people who need it. It's not even for people who want it. It's for people that do it. If you're interested in recovery, please seek it out at a local level in your area. We promise it'll be there waiting for you. It works, it works if, if you work, work it. it. Dab, 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 dab